We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of your go-to Pacers podcast. The Indiana Pacers take down the Boston Celtics. 133 to 131 and a very interesting scene of events in the final few seconds there of the game. But before we jump into the game recap, obviously, I think the most important storyline here, Fachi, to talk about is what happened at the end of the second quarter. Tyrese Halliburton slips, falls, has to be helped off the court by James Johnson, but he healed. He was ruled out with a left hamstring strain. And right now we are just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen. Definitely felt like your heart dropped in that moment. Not really sure what to think in terms of how severe this is going to be, but from everybody that we've heard from on social media, YouTube, different different people I've heard, it's all over the place right now. Everybody was a doctor tonight. You know, everybody was trying to give timelines out, and we don't know what it quite could be. I mean, we heard some people say, hey, if it's a grade one, that could be one to two weeks. If it's a grade two, you could be looking at, you know, upwards of a month. It could be all over the place. Tyree's scheduled to get an MRI on Tuesday so we will find out more but I also think that this is an injury you don't want to rush him back with he's so important to this team that you don't want this to be a lingering issue there is still 
oh, upwards of 50% of the season to be played. And yeah, you know, my, my heart dropped. The air came out of the building. It just, it really felt like, oh no, this team starts and stops with Tyrese Halliburton. And then obviously I think me and every other Pacer fan out there started just looking down the line. What does this mean for the outlook of this team? What does this mean for Tyrese making all NBA? What does this mean? for Tyrese in the All-Star game, there was a thousand questions that ran through all of our heads that we simply do not have the answers for right now. All we can do is wait and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of referenced Jeff Stotts in street clothes on Twitter for having a good evaluation of what's going on. And he said, basically, he said, hoping this is a low-grade hamstring strain. Low-grade strains result in average time lost of you know, less than 13 game, uh, thirteen days, five games more than likely. Average time loss for an in-season uh, grade two strain jumps to about 10 games over 30 days. So obviously you don't like hearing that, but it's it's all going to be determined with this MRI. And for him not to return, him not to be able to put pressure on it, it does seem a little bit worrisome. There was another video that I tweeted out that had more of an in-depth uh, analysis on this entire situation. And if you are interested in that, I did tweet that out on my Twitter, but I, I'm not going to try to sit here and give a diagnosis of what I think is going on with Tyrese. I think at this point, all you can do is just cross your fingers and hope that it's not as severe as maybe you, it looked on TV because it did look pretty bad. And I will say this, and I'm not blaming anybody in particular, but it feels like we've seen players slip and slide on this court a handful of times this season. And unfortunately, it, it just happened to happen to the Pacers' best player. And that happened at the very beginning of the season against the Wizards. Like the very first play, if you remember, Mm -hmm. Tyree slipped really hard and hit his butt really hard. And then this exact play was totally different, but it's in the same side of the court where he slipped. So I I don't know if it's something that's wrong with the court or if it's just a freak thing. I don't want to get too over the top with it, but I just, I feel so bad for Tyrese because of the year he was having. And we had just talked about, you know, the all, like his uh, ability to, you know, with the assist and pass Mark Jackson. Then, of course, he gets injured once again in January at the beginning of the month. So just a big bummer. It really is. And I saw some people trying to blame the shoes. Hey, look, you know, it, it could be the shoes. He switched shoes recently. Or, you know, it's the second time he slipped on the court, I think, in this game. Whatever it is, there could be a 100 different reasons of what happened. But you just hope that Tyrese is all right. Anytime somebody gets carried off the court, yeah. It just feels very worrisome. The only player that I've seen carried off the court and turned out to be all right was Paul Pierce in the NBA Finals, where guy came back five minutes later. This feels a little bit different than that. So I am worried about Tyrese, and I tweeted out something about, like, man, I just really hope that, you know, this doesn't affect him starting an All-Star game and making All-NBA because he's earned that money. And, and of course, you got someone like, the money should be the last thing you're thinking about. And I'm saying it, Tyrese has earned all NBA. I want him to get that because that's how special of a season that he's played. But obviously now that's tied to playing at least 65 games in the season. Who knows what happens, but you just hope that he's all right. You don't want to rush him back. And you, you just know that there's a bigger picture here. But the way that he split, I mean, to for having to be a left hamstring strain off the bat sounded better than what, you know, could have been the worst outcome. But like I said, we're just going to have to wait for this MRI. Yeah, and I mean, while while we're waiting, I think that we have no idea, but you're listening to this probably on Wednesday morning, or excuse me, Tuesday morning. We'll find out probably more Tuesday, midday, maybe even the afternoon. We'll figure out what the MRI says. But 
I'll just put it this way. I would not be surprised that Tyrese Halliburton is out until we get back from that long road trip. Would not surprise me. That's exactly me. what I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, 21st uh, or excuse me, 23rd against Denver. It's about two weeks from now. See how he's looking at that point. But even then, that feels like maybe a bit of a stretch. But I think that maybe just kind of ride things out. They've got Washington. They've got Atlanta. Those are two, in my opinion, winnable games. That yep. They can probably mm-hmm. win without Tyrese. And the, the road trip's going to be very tough, and I'm sure he's going to be very disappointed if he cannot compete in that game against Sacramento on the road. But at this point, I think we're all more concerned about his long-term health instead of a, a regular season matchup against, you know, a, a team that's right there with the Pacers with 21 wins, and they're just one loss better than us. They have 14, we have 15. So, and obviously the team that traded him away. Yeah, it, it's tough. And that West Coast road trip, it, it's brutal. I mean, I mean, it really is. There's like, you could beat Portland. We already lost to Portland, so anything could happen. But it just feels like, a minimum, he's out for that West Coast road trip. Then even when he comes back, we still play Denver, Philly, Phoenix, all in a row. You play Memphis, then you play Boston again, and it's Boston on national television. It's like, oh, my God. That's tough for Tyrese to miss, but bigger picture. I also think that this Pacers team is better than the team that we had last year when Tyrese went down and the season fell apart. I really do think that one of the strengths of this Pacers team has been at the guard position where you have Tyrese, Andrew Nimhard, TJ McConnell. Then you got other guards that, that are also playmakers like a Bruce Brown. So I do feel that there are more players that could step up. However, you just hope and you pray that it's not as long of an absence that it could be. I think in this scenario, hey, if Tyrese could be back by February, I think that that would be great. Still in time for the All-Star game to, you know, represent Indiana, but also still enough of the season to be able to capitalize on. But for right now, obviously, this Pacers team was hitting their stride. They had just won seven of eight. And I know that is the major story tonight. But, Alex, there's also another story, and that's a win over a Boston Celtics team. And I felt like the players rallied after that Tyrese injury, and it very much could have went in a different direction. Yeah, you know, you could kind of tell it, like the air was let out of the building whenever that was. injury happened, and they kind of limped into the halftime down by nine points, and then they came out in the second half, and, and, and you know, Jalen Brown got the first basket. I thought, oh, my goodness, are they going to be able to overcome this? And it took him a minute to get going, but when Andrew Neymar picked up his fourth foul, McConnell kind of came into the game. You, you kind of knew that McConnell energy game tonight because the fan base was still just kind of like in shock, I think, over what just happened to Tyrese. And, you know, everybody on social media was just like, why us? Why can't we ever have nice things? Why do we always get, as Indiana fans, hurt with these stupid injuries? And you kind of felt for fans that were just feeling it a little bit emotionally because I think the last time we've seen somebody carried off the floor in in the field house was Victor Oladipo. Yes, that opened up a wound just now. It really did. And so it just brings back memories, no matter how you feel about it. And then obviously Anthony Richardson for the Colts gets hurt in like game two or three this year, and he's out for the rest of the season. So it's just like, man, can we not have nice things? You know, everybody wants to be excited for this Pacers team, 21 and 15, fifth in the Eastern Conference. But they came out in that second half, and they rallied. And I felt like it was a handful of guys because TJ McConnell had eight in that third quarter. Neesmith, Turner, both had seven. I think Brown even had seven in that quarter. So it was just a really balanced quarter. The Pacers ended up dropping 40 in the third. And so you just love seeing like that connectivity. Those guys rally together. And then the bench at the end of the third coming into the fourth with Buddy Hill, Ben Mather, and those guys really stepped up. And 
it was one of those games where you just felt like, man, these guys are playing with a different sense of urgency that we haven't seen from them before. And it was great to see them step up in the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. It really was because Matherin had 15 in the first quarter. And it was like, oh, man, you know, Matherin. I mean, think about this. Matherin had 15 in the first quarter. Last time against Boston, we scored 17 in the first quarter. So you felt like Matherin was poised for a big night. He actually goes scoreless in the second, drops two in the third. And it's like, what happened? And then in that fourth quarter, he stepped up. He dropped nine points. I thought he was just massive down the stretch, hit a couple big threes. Obviously, you know, hits the game-winning free throws when he gets fouled by Porzingis, but we'll get into that. But I just feel like Matherin showed when Halliburton went down, he was who we hoped he could be. He stepped up, and I feel like he had that mentality of, like, this is my team now. I don't want to be the alpha. I And let's see how it goes. And Matherin has been on a stretch of playing really good basketball lately. He's coming into his own. He goes 8 of 15 in this game, 5 of 9 from 3. Alex, remember, there was a time where this man struggled from 3, and I feel that that 3-point shot has been significantly improved. Buddy Hield, another guy that Buddy finishes with 15, but there was a span in this game where, you know, Buddy had, I think it was 7 going into the 4th. Yeah, He, he scores 8. He really stepped up. The defensive play towards the end, that block on Jalen Brown was huge. And you don't expect it coming from Buddy Heald. I mean, I don't know if you're ready to even get into that that segment of the game yet. The, this game was had me not only at the edge of my seat, I was standing up right in front of the TV. And there was just so many instances where the Pacers almost won or almost lost this game. And it felt like so many different players were on one side of it. And, man, I am so happy to have won this game because I don't think I could have handled a close loss and the loss of Tyrese. Yeah, I, th- I think that last play uh, for the Celtics' possession when Jalen Brown got the ball in the corner and they originally called a foul on the Pacers. Buddy Hill was called for the foul. And when I watched the replay, I thought Buddy Hill did get him in the back of the head there just a little bit a little with bit, his arm. A little bit. But he did get the ball clean. And so yes. – Rick Carlisle was like, no way, no way. Like, he was lipping it to the referees. He, he recalled for the challenge. I think at that point he really didn't have any choice but to call for the challenge, and I think that's yeah, also why it is smart to hold on to your challenges for later in the game. And so the the officials reviewed it, and they did determined that it was not a foul on the Pacers. And I know that was kind of controversial, and I know a lot of Celtics fans were upset, and one of our, our friends of the podcast, Keith Smith, was even – kind of questioning why that was overturned because after that play, the Pacers get the ball inbounds to Benedict Matherin for a three, and Kristaps Porzingis does foul him. And because Boston had already used their challenge and lost that challenge, uh, or I think it was in the third quarter, maybe it was early in the fourth, but they lost their challenge, and so they weren't able to challenge that call. Ben Matherin goes to the free throw line for three free throws with six-tenths of a second left on the clock. He makes both free throws and then misses the third one intentionally to try to run some clock off, but the Celtics were able to grab the rebound. Now, I will say this. Kudos to Derek White for that pass. That was a great play. And that almost went in. (laughs) I mean, they drew that up perfectly. Yeah, I mean, down by two with about three-tenths of a second left. The Celtics had no other choice but to tip it in. So they put in all their big man lineup. They got Cornette, they got Porzingis, they got Horford, and then they got Jalen Brown out there on the court with Derek White throwing the ball on. And, you know, Luke Cornette got a clean look at it. That's a big dude right there. 
and he tipped it and it went in on the rim and came out. So Pacers survived going to overtime against a scrappy Boston team that was without Jason Tatum. But they did it without Tyrese Halliburton. So it was one of those games where it's like, I don't really care. You know, Tyrese Halliburton to the Pacers probably means more than Jason Tatum to the Celtics only because of who the Celtics also have on their roster. I mean, they have a guy like Jalen yeah. Brown who's capable of going for 40 points. Then you got Drew. Then you got Chris Hops, You got Horford. You got Derek White. Where the Pacers have Tyrese and the next best player. You know, sometimes it's miles, sometimes it's been, but you know, it's it's not the same level of roster. So I thought this was a great opportunity for the Pacers to get back in the win column and a great bounce back victory against a really competitive Eastern Conference foe right there in the Boston Celtics. Yeah, someone tweeted me, I just wish Boston was at full strength. And I was like, My God, man, take what you can get. Like yeah. we we just gotta win. Like and, and yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown drops a season high 40. So it's just like you knew Brown and Tatum, whichever one played, they were they were going to kill the Pacers. That those are elite players, but yeah, Boston's got a great roster. I just feel that Indiana needed this; they needed to step up, and they did. And I, I mentioned it before, but the Pacers have done a fantastic job when they play a team twice. They make those adjustments. The Pacers last time against Boston scored one hundred and one, a season low. Tonight. 133 points. I just felt like, and, and we talked about it, Halliburton goes down in the second quarter. So great job, great adjustments. Alex, were you surprised to see Carlisle go 11 deep early on? I saw you tweet it. I saw other people be like, why isn't Emhart coming off the bench yet? A little bit delayed. You know, he wasn't an early sub, but he most definitely did get in there. I thought he very much had some moments. And I'm excited for Nemhard moving forward, but obviously 11-man rotation at first. Ooh, Isaiah Jackson, we'll say the odd man out, just plays seven minutes. But what were your thoughts on uh, the rotation? Yeah, I was a little surprised Nemhard did not get into the rotation to start out with the first 10 guys. And I think that part of the reason he was put into the lineup was because McConnell missed two threes and Boston was like, we're not guarding you. And we talked about that with Caitlin, you know, just yesterday when we recapped that Celtics game from Saturday. It's like McConnell just not being a threat from outside. Like he won't even shoot one the made ball. three this year. Just yeah, one. He won't, but he won't even shoot it. That's the thing. So, and then by the time he does try to go to load it, it's like anybody can recover. Like, you know, I think that it probably takes TJ as much time to load up his three point shot as it does for Giannis to make his free throw. Right. So that's just kind of what we're dealing with here. It just takes forever. And, and, you know, McConnell does what McConnell does, but I don't think he's a three point threat. So, they did go to Nemhart after McConnell did struggle a little bit there to start off the second quarter, but then they went obviously right back to McConnell when Halliburton got hurt and, and Nemhart got in foul trouble. But I think Isaiah Jackson kind of got himself in a little bit of trouble today because he did. Let's be honest, he completely overreacted to Luke Cornette trying to box him out. He comes at him, gets a technical foul, and I think he was pulled from the game immediately after that. I don't think he saw the floor yeah. after that. I, I don't I don't think he did either. And he definitely did overreact. There was a part of me that was like, you know, this Pacers team has come a long way in the toughness category from earlier in the year. But then when I rewatched, I was like, ah, that might have been a little bit stupid. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was that kind of like and Isaiah has kind of been getting a little little testy lately. I yeah. feel like he's been, you know, he's definitely been in some some scuffles. But, yeah, I, I think uh, after that, I don't believe he did see the court. And, uh, you know, there really wasn't that many minutes for everybody to go around, but I'm sure he would have played uh, at least a handful more had he not been involved with that technical foul. Well, yeah, and then they go to basically a nine-man rotation in the second half because no Tyrese, no yep. Isaiah Jackson in the second half. They go Jalen Smith at the five. 
to back up Miles and, and kind of just use those two guys out there. And I think it was probably just because of how big that game was and how much they trusted those two guys to kind of step up and be the four spacers that they needed them to be. But, you know, we can we can move off of Ajax and look at what Jalen Smith did tonight because Jalen Smith, you talked about a block on Jalen Brown from Buddy Hill. Let's talk about the real poster when Jalen Brown tried to stuff it on Sticks and Sticks said not today. And it was a gorgeous block. And I even saw some people comparing it to the Roy Hibbert block on Carmelo. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, every time we get an iconic block, you know, we got to throw it back to that great one in the playoffs. But I will say this, you know, Jalen Smith has done a really good job. He had a nice drive to the basket, I think, early on the right side, kind of drove middle with his left hand and laid it in, um, had some moments. I think he had a, a take on O'Shea Brissett, too, in the post. Like, he just – he is a guy that I think just knows who he is and isn't trying to force too much and continue just to be a solid starter and, and a solid role player for this team. And you can kind of feel it. Like, he, he brings the intensity all the time, and he's kind of a hothead, too, like Ajax. But I think he's a little bit more composed – than Ajax because you said it. Ajax has been very tested the last few games. He really has. I, I I don't know. And look, this Pacers team definitely needed, like I said, a little needed more toughness, a little bit testiness, sure. But um, let's let's do it when it matters, not just every game. Uh, but yeah, for Jalen, just rock solid. Eleven points, nine boards, three blocks. Um, plus five, just all good. Yep, plus five. The the best out of any starter on this Pacers team. So great to see. Um, and then you know just. Aaron Neesmith deserves a shout-out. Look, he had his hands full on defense, no doubt about it. But dropping 17 points, 6 of 10, uh, shooting 3 of 5 from 3, just awesome bounce-back performance for Neesmith that really struggled the last time against the Celtics. Celtics fans were chirping nonstop about Neesmith last game. He was 3 of 13, really showed up this game offensively. Loved, loved what I saw out of Neesmith. He's always been, uh, you know, what the Pacers need. And the 17 points, I mean, that's second best on the team in this game. Yeah, I mean, Neesmith has been so good all year long, and he gets up for those Celtics games. And I don't know what it is, but a lot of Celtics fans can't stand Aaron Neesmith. I don't know if you saw they this just super. don't want to be wrong. I, I think it's just like they want to make it seem like that player, when you move on from you, you, you don't want to – have any regrets about it they've already moved on from brogdon and aaron neesmith has started to blossom so i think they're a little bit uh you know a little bit hurt i mean when you're a guy like neesmith you're gonna take things personal right because a team that drafted you traded you in your second third year of your career never really gave you an opportunity and then you finally get one and you kind of show what you could you could have done for them so you know it was tough i mean boston had a really good roster and i think that it was just more like the disrespect of what the Celtics traded to get Brogdon. It wasn't even more so that he was mad at the Celtics, but yeah, I, I just thought that he, he played really well tonight and, you know, had his hands full with whoever he was guarding. You know, there was times when everybody had their chance at Jalen Brown tonight because Jalen yeah. Brown was just unstoppable. We saw Nimrod Nothing on him. Worked. We saw McConnell on him every once in a while. Uh, we definitely saw Neesmith on him and we definitely saw Bruce Brown on him, but you know, he's a, he's a tough guy to defend, especially when he's going. So that that's really tough, but I will say this. Only a minus three on the rebounds tonight, Fachi. 42 yeah. to 39. That's a big difference. That's a big difference from what? Was it 20 rebounds the previous game? So, it, 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 yeah, pretty much. It was 18 to 20. I mean, either way, it was, I think it might have been, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. Boston was in the 50s and we were at like 38 last yeah. time. So it was really bad. It was a big difference. And you could definitely tell the difference in tonight's game. And it was just 
good to see the guys step up and obviously having Bruce and Andrew back did make a big difference defensively. Obviously, Bruce did not bring it offensively, just one of six from the field tonight, Fachi, in 20 minutes. Yeah. Little surprised he didn't play in the fourth quarter, really, at all. I don't think he did I at was, all. No, he he only played 20 minutes, which is, you know, the fewest of any starter outside of Tyrese who got hurt. So interesting, but, you know, maybe, look, obviously he didn't have it going offensively. Did not. Maybe they wanted to kind of ease him back a little bit. You know, I don't know. It could have been anything. But I also feel like McConnell played really good in this game. And Nemhard had his moments. I, I really, really do think that uh, both. And then, obviously, Buddy Heel was, was, was really catching fire towards the end. So there was a lot of guards on this team that had it going when yeah. Bruce Brown really didn't. So I don't know if it's anything to really keep an eye on. But I, I just feel that, like we talked about, in that fourth quarter, I mean, Matherin, Buddy Heald, they were huge. McConnell led the, the whole team in plus minus with plus 10. So I, I don't I don't think uh, it's anything too crazy, but something to see. I don't think Bruce Brown's 100% healthy. But, um, you know, overall, I, I think that this was a game that the depth, once again, on this team showed. And I just feel that the, the Pacers have that squad. Let's see, it was uh, seven guys, again, in, in double figures. Seven yeah. guys. You know, if Tyrese was, was, was healthy, it would have been at least eight. So... That's what the Pacers can do that other teams can't. And if Boston is missing a guy like Jason Tatum tonight, hey, obviously the Pacers had a strength in numbers compared to just one guy who really shouldered the load for Boston. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of where the Pacers were able to take advantage here because the Celtics only scored 27 points off the bench. Ben yep. Mather had 26 of his own. You know, I, I'm trying to do the quick math in my head here, but I think it was close to like 74 points off the bench for the Pacers to the 27. 66. What was it? 66. That's it? Uh, uh, actually, no, no, it's points. more than that. My math's bad. You know, I never said I was a math guy. You know, so I think it was uh, 76. Is what? 30 plus 26, 56. Okay. Maybe my math's I, wrong. I, I believe it was 75. Okay, I'll trust you. Trust me. I thought it said 70-something when I was watching it. Yeah, game, yeah, so no, I... no, it's 75. Okay, so we clearly just dominated on the bench once again. I mean, that's what the Pacers have been doing recently in the games they've been winning. But you talked about it earlier. I mean, this is seven wins out of eight in a row. And, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean seven wins out of eight games possible. And, like, you're playing some really tough teams here in this stretch. You know, Boston twice, and then you lose Halliburton, win, able to win that game, and now you've got – Washington and Atlanta, I think these are games you kind of have to win, knowing Tyrese probably won't be there, and yeah. knowing the, the road trip's coming up soon. Like we're we're looking at a team in Milwaukee right now that's really struggling. They're down by like they were down by 30 points to the to the Utah Jazz at home. So, you know, the Pacers have Utah a week from today, I believe it is on Monday night. So it's it's just gonna be a it's gonna be an uphill battle without Tyrese Halliburton, but a lot of guys I thought really stepped up for the Pacers. I mean, Obi Toppin, we can talk about this for a minute. His three-point shooting, Fachi, feels like it's starting to become a, a legit threat. Like, he's hitting that at a high clip, and we have – we didn't really see that early on, but as of late, no. coming off the bench more, he's been making that. Obi loves him a corner three. I really feel that he does, and he's uh, he's been knocking him down. I mean, it, it's actually pretty crazy. It's because you kind of sleep on it, but – Coming into this game, and in which we saw he went three or four from three, he was shooting 39.2% from three. What was that? Three and a half. 39.2% okay. from three on 3.4 attempts per game. So that is not some sample size to just laugh at. He improved that tonight. So you're talking about this man might be shooting about 40% from three on the season. That's wild because they always said he couldn't do it. He couldn't yeah. shoot well from three, and no one was hoping for 40%. It was, can he consistently be like a 35, 36% three-point shooter? So I love what I've seen, and I know that, that it's hard for him to maybe live up to the unrealistic expectations that a lot of us had, me included. But Obi has been a good, solid player for the Pacers, and he's never the guy who's going to be top three in minutes for this team, but he makes his minutes count. And I think that he's still getting better. He's playing the biggest role he's ever played before. So sometimes he looks great. Sometimes he looks good. Sometimes it's forgettable. But I think this Pacers team moving forward, you talked about it. Hawks, Wizards, winnable games. But what I am excited, maybe this just is a glass half full approach, is are we about to unleash Andrew Nemhard or what? Because I feel that we're about to see the best play from Andrew Nemhard that we have seen team yet for this season because I don't know there was just something that when Tyrese went down I feel like his body language just felt different I felt like it was almost just like it's my time and he hit some big baskets he had some good assists I feel that moving forward 
we're going to get the Andrew Nemhard that either we saw last year or the Andrew Nemhard that we hoped to see this year. So I'm excited about that, and I don't feel that this is the Pacers of the year past where you're saying, oh, man, who's going to step up at point guard? No, we got a couple of different options for that. Yeah, and I think having Bruce Brown on the roster does help a little bit too because it does give does give you more guard depth like you talked about earlier. And so, you know, this is a great opportunity for Nimhard, but also a great opportunity for McConnell. You know, we Big saw time. McConnell. He's, you know, McConnell's going to be that guy that if Nimhard doesn't have it going, maybe McConnell can get it going because we saw uh, against Miami a couple of weeks ago when Nimhard started for Tyrese, how flat that team came out offensively. But then all of a sudden they put McConnell in there and things started changing. So I'll be interested to see who they start and who they don't start. But if Matherin continues to come off the bench, I think Caitlin brought up a great point about how TJ and Matherin work a little bit better than Tyrese and Matherin. So we really haven't seen a large sample size of Drew and Matherin together at the one and the two. We saw it last year at the end of the season. But this season, I feel like it's not been the greatest duo. I'm not sure what that is or what, what the cause of that is, but I'm uh, I'm I'm curious to see if we can just get a larger sample size of it as they continue to play together more with this opportunity here. But I, I don't know. I think it's uh, Andrew Nimhard, like you said, he's a really good basketball player. I've enjoyed him more as an off-ball guy than the actual point guard, too, like initiating uh, the offense. So he can do it, but I feel like sometimes, too, he does – not, he's not a ball hog, but he does kind of hold on to the ball quite a bit. It doesn't feel as like zippy as it is with Tyrese because Tyrese isn't just a guy that's yep. going to dribble the clock, you know, the ball out of the air for four or five seconds. You know, he's moving that basketball quick where I think Drew's kind of like surveying the offense. He'll drive and then he'll dish or he'll take a tough shot when, you know, there's nothing really else going on offensively. But I, I'm still a big fan of him and what he can bring defensively. I think that's where the Pacers are going to have to continue to get better with Tyrese out is – improve on the defensive end because you are going to probably have more of a defensive-minded team, specifically with that starting five of Drew, Bruce, Aaron, Jalen, and Miles. You know, one player you mentioned, Bruce Brown, we've actually seen Bruce Brown step his game up when Halliburton hasn't been there. In specific, I remember that game against Miami where Bruce Brown dropped 30 season high. Yeah. Do you think Bruce Brown is now going to maybe step into that, that larger role with Halliburton out? I don't know. That's something maybe we can keep an eye on because at first thought, I thought, hey, man, this is really Nimhart's time. But Bruce Brown could very well be that guy as well. Do you think it was maybe more of a fluke or is it something that we could maybe expect to see a little bit more of? I wouldn't say it's a fluke, but I don't think we're going to see 30 points a game from Bruce Brown. No, no, I do not even know. I think that it's just going to have to be him stepping up. You know, at, at this point, what happens if they get in foul trouble? Do you really trust Bruce and Buddy to kind of be your emergency point guards? I mean, that's going to be tough. I think Buddy Hill's gotten better at passing. Like we even seen yes. through an alley oop the last two games to Obi Toppin. You know, the, the first game was a dunk. This one was more of a layup, I believe it was. So, you know, you're just you're seeing Buddy Hill evolve as a player, and that's great to see, especially at his age, being able to grow in certain areas and just kind of expand his game. But I just think Bruce, like. He's going to have to shoulder some of the load knowing Tyrese isn't there. But at the same time, I don't want him forcing a lot because when I've seen him force, it does not feel great. But if he can just kind of take shots within the offense and not be more of a passer, more of a more of a guy that's looking for a shot to a certain degree, but not not hunting for it, if that makes sense. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think that Bruce will have to step up if this team wants to continue playing good basketball. And I think he's up for the challenge because he's done a good job of kind of molding into the role that they've asked him to be. But now instead of 
being a lesser option, he's going to have to step up and kind of say, okay, I know what it's like to run a second unit. I did with Denver for the most part last year. I can kind of step up here and be more impactful offensively than I had been for the Pacers. And, uh, you know, if he can improve that shooting, that'd be really nice. It would be great. And I think that, look, we're not asking for Bruce to give us 25 to 30, but could you go from averaging just under 12 points per game to, you know, above 15? Could you give us a couple more, you know, a little bit more offensively? I do think that he can. I do think that he can average, you know, five assists or so, or, you know, increase the the ball movement a bit. I think he can do that. Buddy Heald, you talked about, he's been a better passer this year. But obviously, hey, TJ McConnell, I really do feel like, fits in like a glove is if you need real good ball movement, McConnell can always provide that for you. So this is another one of those times where every time you think you're going to maybe move McConnell just to clean up the rotation, he shows his value once again and how lucky the Pacers are to have McConnell at, at any time they need him to be able to come in and play, you know, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 20 minutes or whether it's, Tonight, it's 25 minutes. He makes it count. And I I thought that he had a basket against Porzingis that it's just like, it looked like David versus Goliath or whatever. It's like Porzingis is this 7-3 giant. And then you got McConnell just swooping it in right under him. But we talked about that end of the game uh, sequence. McConnell nearly put the Pacers up. I mean, that ball was as close as it could be in the basket when McConnell does one of his classic, you know, shots. And it was just... Right after that, I mean, McConnell missed that. There's the Jalen Brown, you know, foul that gets overturned to then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Matherin gets fouled. I just felt like down the stretch, we saw Matherin want to take this on. Do you think that now this is maybe the opportunity that Matherin's been waiting for to be able to step up and say, hey, I'm the guy now. I want to be the guy. I want to be the number one. I don't want to be the... The the you know the the second option the third option let me get a run at being number one and that could still come off the bench it, it could but what yeah. do you think the Pacers do I I think he's been very good in that second unit role and I think it makes sense to keep him there we'll see how things go but just a fun stat they threw out there Matherin has twenty nine games of twenty points scored off the bench dating back to last season that is number one and then yeah. Good stat right there. I saw that earlier on Fox Sports or Valley Sports, excuse me, Fox Sports. Well, that's a throwback. Um, <laughs> no, but it's a great point. I think here's the thing with Matherin. I I have loved the way that he's played. I love the confidence that he's playing with. And obviously, there's still some, like Caitlin brought it up, you know, he had those couple bad possessions against the Celtics on Saturday night where he had to get pulled for Buddy Heald. And he's done that a few different times in this game, too. There were some moments where he just kind of lost his defender, like, I've Steve uh, Mikhailuk got the offensive rebound on him. And then he fouls him like little things like that can't happen, but it's like, okay, if I'm going to worry about that all the time, like, you know, like I'm going to nitpick everything that he does. Like, you know, I, I can always do that if I want to, but overall, I just feel like Ben Matherin is in a great spot where he's at. And it would, I think it would be a detriment to the team. If he tries to try to become the number one guy, I think he needs to continue to stay in his role and let it happen naturally. And if he gets going early, you know what? Rick Carlisle has constantly proven that he will ride Ben Matherin out at the end of a game if he is playing the right way and, and, and playing the best basketball that he can. So, you know, I don't I don't really think anything needs to change with anything. You're just going to have to figure out a way to be more of a collective group and not rely on Tyrese to do everything for you. 
And that means that other guys are going to have to step up. You're going to have to see Bruce and Miles step up. That's what you're paying these veterans for, to, to be that kind of guy that steps up. And I think McConnell's going to step up with this opportunity, Nimhard. But it, it's not just on one guy. And I think Buddy, he'll really put it upon himself to stand up and have a good game for his buddy Ty. Because, you know, we know they're super close, and it was probably really hard for him to help him, you know, with James, take him off the court, just knowing, like, what he means to this team. And nobody can really undersell how much Tyrese means to this team. I think every single player knows that on this roster. Every fan that roots for this team knows what Tyrese means. But, you know, Ben's got an opportunity now to step up and maybe be more of an offensive focal point of the team. But I don't want him pressing or pushing to be somebody that he's not. And you might feel the same way. You might disagree. But I just I think that he's in a great spot right now. He's in a groove. I don't want him trying to get out of that because we're really starting to see some of the best basketball we've seen from Ben Matherin. No, we really are. And I, I, that's why I think he should stay on the bench in that same role that he's in. I, I do think that he's played really well in it. But I also feel like he's got an opportunity to get a couple more shots. I, I do hope it's not Ben now trying to be like, you know what, I'm going for 30 every night. That's not what the Pacers yeah. need. They're a strength in numbers type of team. But I do look forward to to him having – I mean, Ben's never short of confidence, so I don't think he needs the confidence – but I also think that we're going to see a Ben Matherin that's willing to take on a little bit more and say, look, I'll do anything it takes to win right now. Because I think he's going to feel a little bit more like the guy. But I'm excited. And your point about, you know, Buddy Heald helping carry out uh, Halliburton. You, know, you saw Buddy picking up the towel and really talking to Tyrese face to face. You could just feel the friendship right there and how close those two individuals are. And then on the other side... I love the fact that James Johnson was the veteran that was, you know, carrying him out. It's like James Johnson is bringing so much to the table that never, ever shows up on a box score. And I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe when I said before, the Patriots have been showing more toughness. Maybe it's as a result of just the presence of James Johnson, whatever it's been, you can't find a direct correlation between, hey, since James Johnson signed with the team, they're winning more. It just feels that it's only helped the Pacers and that roster spot was either not being used or just nothing was really happening. I felt like he was the perfect use for that roster spot. And we didn't talk about it the other day. His contract did become guaranteed yeah. the rest of the year. And I think, I think that's awesome because I think at this point we've been down that road with the Pacers at one point, let him go. And then they brought him back. And now this year they brought him back. Like he, He's such a great locker room guy. It's just what this young team needed. They had to bring him back, or they had to they had to cut him last year to get Serge Ibaka in the yep. trade. I and mean, you know that was the dumbest. That was kind of a pointless trade at this point. We got some seconds from it, but like you got George Hill for a couple of games, and that kind of got the fan base excited during a losing season. And then you know you traded for Jordan Mora, let him set the record for most points in a quarter that Tyrese eventually I think broke or tied. He did. So <laughs> you know it's like Jordan Mora, like guy can't even see the floor. And I was even thinking to myself today, like what happens if Nimhard gets hurt again? Like he's been so like hit or miss this entire season with injuries. And it just seems like little things keep nagging up. It's like, what are they going to do if Ty's out with this hamstring injury? And then all of a sudden Drew's out, are they going to rely on buddy and Bruce? I don't think they will. I mean, to me at this point, knowing Jordan Mora is an expiring contract. Do you think they just wave that $3 million and go out there and get a third string point guard? If that's what they need, because I mean, at this point it feels like, with not having the bird rights to be able to sign him to a big deal after the season, 
they don't really have much of an option here with, with Jordan being here long-term. And does he really want to stay on a team where he's getting zero consistent playing time? So to me, that would be the only thing that kind of makes sense if they end up needing to have some point guard depth. Anything is possible. What I will say is I don't see a scenario where Jordan War is going to re-sign with the Pacers. No. If he's not playing at all, I think he would rather go to any place else that he can get playing time. And I wouldn't blame him for that. I don't because that man's got talent. He he can play in this league. He can score. He's a good three-point shooter. Um, but it, it's there's no scenario where he could see the floor in meaningful minutes. It just it just there, there there really isn't. It would take so many injuries, and you don't even want to put that out into the universe. So I'm not gonna wood for that. But I, th- that is a point that that could happen. Whether he could be yeah. cut or if anything, I think he's just got to be traded regardless. Yeah, of the deadline because I almost I just feel that. He's not helping this team win. And I think that there are other players at other positions that could help this team win, especially if there is an injury. Yeah, I agree with that, Fachi. And so just kind of wrap it up. I don't know if you heard Benedict Matherin's postgame press conference with Jeremiah Johnson, but it was great stuff there as he's about to get interviewed. Jalen Smith stands right there and he's just looking in the camera and he goes, Benedict Kobe Matherin? And so they just kind of smile and the conversation goes. And as they end it, JJ goes, so Jalen says Kobe. Benedict responds, nah, Matherin. What are your thoughts on that? Textbook Matherin right there. I mean, you could try and compare the man to Jordan. He'd be like, nah, no chance. I'm Benedict Matherin. And, like, I love that. I I really do because, like, there's very few players that would actually – not really take that as a compliment and would still just be like, I'm on my, my, myself, my own individual. I love that about Matherin. I mean, we, when we had him on set in the pace, I mean, this, this man, you, you couldn't shake the confidence. Everything yeah. that you brought up, I beat him. I beat him. And it's like, you need to have that mentality if you do want to be great. And clearly that's something that has, has fueled him. He's in a class by himself in his mind. And you know what? I'm here for it. I love it because the man is playing so much better. He's just, he's really come along this season. And, and everybody, the fan base was so hard on him early on that they were willing to give him up or just say, oh man, you know, he's not working out. Look at him now. It would be crazy to move Benedict Matherin at age 21 for half a season of a player that might not even re sign here. I just think it's like, come on, guys, let, let's really think about this. This guy. Has talent. He is not put it all together, but he has serious talent. I'm telling you, man. I, I think it's funny when I see fans say that Rick Carlisle is, you know, holding them back, and he looks frustrated, and he doesn't like his role. It's like, are we? Are we? Are you guys sure you know what you're talking about? Like, you know, it's it's pretty funny because everyone's like telling us and messaging us like, oh, Pacers should go for Jonathan Kaminga, right? And then they're sitting there complaining about Ben Matherin and his playing time. I was like, what do you think Kaminga's getting playing time at, guys? Come on now, but. Fachi, I don't know. I, I'm just glad the Pacers got the win. They're fifth in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a tough uphill battle like we talked about without Tyrese, but they're playing good basketball right now, and hopefully they can carry over. We don't want to see what happened last year in the month of January when they lost Tyrese. What was it 14 of 16 games, 16 of 18, something like that? It, it was something that I remember at one point they had lost 11 of 12. I, I, yeah. I definitely remember that stretch. And honestly, I'm really fearful to even look it up right now, but – it was right around this time last year. Yeah. It was early it was January third. Yeah, uh, something like that. I'm sadly, I was at the game. It was it was terrible. 
but it's just I knew it was after New Year's, but not like, like that far into the year. So, um, yeah, uh, bad times. Uh, and I, I hope it, I wanted to check to be like, please tell me this isn't like the anniversary of that. I think it was the 11th. Oops. Okay. Um, it was the 11th. Yeah. Yeah, they went they went four and eleven that month, Fachi. Last last January. And then when Tyrese went out, they lost that game obviously to the Knicks, and they lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. You're right. I think it was eleven of the next twelve they lost. So it was just tough. And obviously, you know, the schedule wasn't easy because they played some good teams last year during that time, but it's not going to get any easier because that West Coast road trip, like we talked about, that's going to be brutal. That's going to be tough. But I think Pacer fans just kind of need to relax a little bit. We're, I think we're, like you mentioned, we're better than we were last year. Yes. We have a, a, a more, we have a team basically from last year that's still here, but they've developed. And then you've added some talent. So mm-hmm. I, I just feel like this has been a tough, tough year for injuries and just ups and downs all over the league. But at this point, the Pacers just have to kind of, Hold tight to what they know has been working for them and, and not stray away from it and just keep playing team basketball because we are built to to have strength in numbers. Seven again and double figures tonight, that's what they do best. And so it's going to have to be a rally together around team basketball to rely on getting some victories because these are all really good players. Like, let's not be let's not be dismissive of this team. Like, they are all really good players. Some are better role players than guys, but still, you're missing Tyrese it's not easy to do. It's not easy to win without Tyrese, but you got to have to figure out a way to do it. And everybody's going to step their game up a little bit. And, you know, Ty's carried this team for the past three months. Now it's your turn to, now it's your time to carry the team for Tyrese. It really is. And one thing I want to point out is like, yeah, this Pacers team has some rough losses this year. I, as is every team in the league, they have some really good wins. They've now beat Boston twice this year. And I know Boston at the beginning of the year, they beat the Pacers down. But there was no Tyrese in that game. And it was just, I feel like it was the perfect storm of everything going wrong. Since that game, I looked. I, I thought the Pacers have played Boston pretty well. I mean, like I mentioned, they won two games. Yes, they just lost the other night to them. But going into the fourth quarter, I mean, that was that was a three-point game. The Pacers had to cut down one at the end of the third. So it's like they've, they've hung around with them at least. And, and I, this is a really good Celtics team that sits atop the East. The team that was in second as of at least tonight, and I think they still are, the Milwaukee Bucks. Pacers have beat them four times. <laughs> Pacers have beat Philly. I, I They beat the Knicks. They, they beat Cleveland. They beat a lot of the teams that sit atop the Eastern Conference right now. So don't count the Pacers out. We talked about it last year. If they lost 11 of 12 right when Tyrese went down, well, what could this Pacers team be if they could go 500 without Tyrese? Is that a a possibility maybe it very well could be we'll see how long that injury lasts but regardless i think they're in better hands to to handle this type of situation than they were last year this is a more experienced team than last year and overall while we still have to keep our fingers crossed as to what the mri says this was a win that, that i think was really big to uplift the spirits of this team to be like we're gonna be all right without tyrese you know, we're going to be, it's going to take each and every one of us to step up and, and play our role even better than what we were playing before. So for now, Alex, I'm really happy we got this win because we needed it. This whole podcast could have done a quick 180 if the yeah. Pacers blew this one. 
and uh, y'all would not have liked uh, the tone of that episode. It's still going to be tough. Obviously, no one Tyrese is going to be out for a while, but you got to feel good about the win and, and the way they got the win and played such great basketball as a team. So that's that. And, you know, tomorrow we're going to have a, you know, a fun episode after you listen to this one. Make sure you guys tune into tomorrow's episode because we got Caitlin Cooper coming on. And we're going to kind of break down the whole Pascal Siakam stuff with her because we've talked about it with different people, but I just feel like, you know, knowing how well she knows the game of basketball is great to kind of pick her brain on Pascal and his fit here. And you do have to wonder now with this injury to Tyrese and the severity of it, how does that impact the type of trade the Pacers would be willing to make? Now, if, if it's only going to be for like a couple of games or if it's going to be a couple of weeks, like, do you still look to maybe make this trade? Does it kind of push you to make a trade sooner? I don't know. But like we talked about it before, like depending on what the Pacers do the rest of this month is what I think is going to determine how they approach the trade deadline. So it's going to be, a, you know, their opportunity there for a lot of guys to step up and, and play big. But I think you guys are going to really enjoy that conversation with Caitlin Cooper about Pascal Siakam and then what it might take to get a deal done. But Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Set the Pace. And Alex, tell me where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Set in the Pace of Pacers Podcast where you can find all of our video content. And thank you all so much for hitting us up with those five-star rating and reviews on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. But don't keep them from coming because we need to see more and more of those reviews. It is always good for us to get those. And me and Fachi were just talking about, I think last year, we reached over 90 countries of people listening to Setting the Pace. Truly. So Appreciate it's all. unbelievable the amount of people we have listening to this podcast. We want to thank you all so much for supporting the show. And with that being said, Fachi, if you're hoping the Pacers can continue this great play of late and get eight of nine wins against the Washington Wizards, the lowly Washington Wizards, then please hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.